1: Welcome to the OBR Newswire Podcast, Friday edition. It's May 8th. Hope you've had a great week. Hope you had a great night checking out the Brown schedule. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are going to talk about that schedule here right off the bat. Uh, before we do so, though, big shout out to our sponsors, BetOnline.ag, and their welcome bonus using the promo code BLUEWIRE, and Blue Chew, who is out to improve and help with mail enhancement, offering options, including a uh, free visit with a doctor that can help you and get you set up on what you need uh, via online conferencing and then a free first package delivery to your door. All you have to do is pay shipping. Everything will be discreet using the promo code BLUEWIRE there as well. You get that fantastic offer and a big thank you again to Blue Chew for their sponsorship. So let's talk Brown's schedule, right? I don't do a ton with schedules. Listen, I made a big deal about this thing last year, and it bit me. I mean, I mean, I think I like projected twelve and 4 or 11 and five, and I'm not doing it again because so many things, so many things change so quickly in the league, and teams come out of nowhere, and injuries decimate teams at certain points of the year. And you could play a team week one, such as Baltimore, and uh, by the time you play them again in week fourteen, it's a completely different football team. It's just. The NFL moves in these these weird ways, and the roads to get to places in this league about you know how good a team is at a various point. And it, listen, it's the most capricious league in the in the entire sports industry, and it never fails. So we'll just look at fun points of the schedule. The Browns last won a home. Not a home opener, but a a regular season opener against the Ravens. I think it was 2004. They haven't won one since. They get the opportunity to play the Ravens again week one. That'll be fun at Baltimore. um, Test themselves early. And the Browns seem to play pretty well at Baltimore traditionally. So it'll be fun to see what kind of swagger they take into Baltimore. Um, Nice to play Cincinnati week two. uh, Thursday night uh, under the lights. First Energy Stadium. That'll be fun to welcome Joe Burrow in and uh, you know, let him experience the NFL life in Cleveland. That's a fun game. You know, you also get to see the Redskins and Chase Young in Cleveland. Then you go to Dallas, which is always cool to go visit America's team or whatever. And um, the, the, the other thing that catches my eye here is the middle of the season, right? Week 8, 9, 10, and 11, the Browns play three home games with a bye after that first home game. So they spend an entire month, pretty much an entire month at home. They'll get back from that game at Cincinnati on October 25th. They'll get back, you know, on the 26th or whatever, and then they're home until, uh, you know, the, the week of November 22nd. So that's a long time to be home. It can really refresh the group in the middle of the season. Other beautiful part of the beginning of the season is they don't play. After they play Baltimore week one, they do not play a team that made the playoffs the season before until they play the Texans week 10 when they welcome Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. That will be a fun game to watch that young quarterback the Browns uh, did pass on and then the, the funny thing is the week after that they welcome in another quarterback they passed on Carson Wentz week 11 so you'll get to see both of the, those guys up close and personal going to visit Joe Schobert in Jacksonville week 12 which was probably going to be a London game but was was uh was moved due to obvious reasons with COVID-19 and then they close out with it's it's interesting you know you want them to be in a pretty solid position the end of the year because they close out with three of their final five games on the road, three three of three f- road games in four weeks. If you go, you know, they're at Tennessee, host uh, the Ravens, then uh, on Monday Night Football, then go at New York and, and uh, I guess New York twice, right? It's the Giants and the Jets and close with the Steelers at home. It's a fun schedule. It should be a game. The, the big part to me is that it doesn't include any trips past the central time zone, which is exciting for this team, having gone out west a couple times like they did last year, and those schedule losses can be really brutal on some teams. So they stay on the East Coast a majority of the year, and they have the 27th easiest schedule. The biggest thing about the schedule is the bottom where it says dates are subject to change. We will just see how COVID-19 and the country deals with it as the time comes. We don't know. We're going to presume the NFL season is going to happen because they have not gotten off track at all through any of this, um, you know, pandemic stuff that has gone on. So we'll, we'll see. The NFL seems to be spearheading the get life back to normal train. So no reason to think that will go off the rails anytime soon. And they will get things rolling in September. And it, and it really should be a fun Brown season, the new uniforms, all that good stuff. We are going to welcome for our Film Room Friday, uh, All 22 Chalk Talk on Twitter, John Stephenson, who just wrote on Jacob Phillips. So we are going to bring him in, um, talk to him, about what he likes about Phillips, what he does not like about Phillips, talked about Malik Harrison a little bit and why that pick wasn't made. Instead, uh, compare those two players and give you some analysis on maybe why the Browns didn't take him. So let's jump over to our interview with uh, John Stephenson. So John, as we talked on, on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast last week about Phillips, you were sort of in the middle of your study of the player and, you know, you and I had me by virtue of watching Delpit I was sort of watching Phillips at the same time and I had some takeaways and you had some preliminary takeaways you've you've invested a lot of time into this player now I've cut and put the clips in that you sent to me so I've watched everything that you watched essentially from what you want this player to be so uh are you sorry what you think this player is so so tell me what your takeaway is of Jacob Phillips and um do you think he can be a part of this year's defense as as a player at the at the second
0: level? So if um, if Jacobs Phillips is playing in this year's defense, we're going to have some issues. I don't I don't see how he uh, he can be expected to come in and uh, and start on an NFL defense right now. Um, he's at least to to me he's not that guy. So
1: yeah, like what what parts of his game? So if you're thinking about if he does, okay. If he does make it, comes in and plays this year, what parts of his game do you think like they'll be drawn to and would stand out as a part of his NFL body?
0: So, um, what well, we talked about the missed tackles, um, you know, lack of missed tackles is nice. He, um, you know, he's he's a consistent, you know, kind of get him, get him wrapped up, get him to the ground. Um, he he drags a little too much for my liking, but I think he needs to. He can work on adding some uh, or gaining some weight, you know, functional playing strength and so on. That should uh, that should clean up that. So he can um you know he's a solid tackler. Um he can open up and run. Um that also leads to other issues though, and that sometimes he uh, he'll overrun things because he just um you know he just has to open up his hips and he has to go. And uh, you know, because we talked about as well, just how much you know, his lack of um you know, sort of short term quicks, the change of direction, uh the stiff hips, you know, all, all that leads to him essentially, um just opening his hips and flying, which is good at some points when he has to chase something, you know, sideline to sideline, you know, a stretch path. He's uh, he's good there, but um, when he's, you know, when you get him working wide, he's he looks like he's pretty easy to cut back on. I don't think NFL offense are going to have any problem getting him moving and then cutting back inside of him because he just doesn't have that that um that ability to stop. Um, you know, that's that's about that's what I see with the good, honestly. Um, you know, obviously high character, hustles his uh, hustles his butt off. Um. You know, sounded like he was the defensive play caller, the quarterback of the defense. So, um, you know, getting in the calls, set in the fronts, and so on. So, um, you know, that speaks well to his, um, you know, his, his ability to digest the playbook and communicate it out. But uh, that's that that's what I've got after a complete study. So,
1: some of those things going forward, he'll do okay. Uh, has to process a little bit better. But the physical traits are there to an extent. The ability to stop, shift, change direction that you would like a twitchy linebacker in the modern NFL to do gives you some concern, gives me some concern based on what you sent me. I'm not sure how he will do there. He has to get, like you said, a better feel for when to throttle down. I think there's a couple clips there that you sent me where it's just like he's just, you know, the old phrase I used to hear when I was playing and I transferred it over to when I was coaching the old Young bull, old bull phrase where you're in a hurry all the time, and it feels like he's in a hurry to get places all the time, and he has to understand the throttle down nature, dropping the hips, playing with a low center of gravity, because there are times where if you catch John's film room, um, you know where he, he talks about the hip issue is Jalen Hurts just embarrassed him in that in that semifinal game with just a one plant move where he left him. He left him essentially phone on the ground, so you, you really don't want to see that happening to a guy who's going to have to make tackles in a phone booth, right? Um, mm. So, you know, I think a lot of the stuff you're talking about there is true. He's a good tackler. He's a consistent tackler, has been that guy um, over the course of his two years of starting time. And people have asked me, and I know that it has probably come up. You haven't checked the comments on the OBR article, but it might have come up. Why the Browns didn't take Malik Harrison instead of, um instead of jacob phillips and and ultimately i don 't know man, like i don 't know we have to get that answer from joe woods and and um maybe one of the scout the re you know the area scouts can give us a better feel for that. What I do know is that both guys are run. Stop defenders. I think both of them graded well above average in run defense grade. I think Malik Harrison, from what I'm looking at here, was an 87.1 run defender um, as as far as a grade of doing his assignment. This is Pro Football Focus. There's there's gray area between what the subjectivity of all this stuff. But I think if you watched Ohio State, John did, I did. Malik Harrison, pretty solid run defender. Was always in the right spots. Had a, did a good job fitting up defenders. Um, you know, especially being where he was supposed to be and handling the duties that. Ohio State's attacking defense would, would throw at him. And if I'm looking at Jacob Phillips, I'm, I'm trying to type this in quickly with my left hand. Uh, his grade in the in the run grade department was a 76, so kind of similar. Well above the average threshold for what the linebackers are in this class. The biggest difference between the two, neither of them are good coverage defenders. I, I've read in a couple scouting reports, and I would agree with this, so I'm sure you would too, John. His technique in past coverage zone coverage terrible is he what, what do you notice about the technique that's a problem
0: we're talking um phillips yeah phillips there yeah, yeah so um one he just he doesn't seem to have a feel he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't look like he understands route combinations you know just the simple things like if a route's going out something's probably coming in or when he's being high load and so on he just kind of he gets out there and he sort of drifts in space at times yeah um, and they called
1: him a placeholder in coverage which i think is was, yeah is true, right. Difference. yeah, and, and the coverage yeah. grades low for both guys. So as you look at these two guys, you would think both of them are just sort of maybe early in their career two down players. Maybe they eventually get a feel for it at the yeah. NFL level, but both of them would be considered that. The biggest difference between these two and, and maybe if you if you get Joe Woods and you can talk philosophy of, of, of what he wants his linebackers to do, it is the tackling and the production in tackling. Only five missed tackles last year. Um, for Jacob Phillips, and that's a 5.2% missed tackle rate, one of the highest in the class for linebackers, and an 888 tackling grade um, overall for him. If you look at Malik Harrison, uh, it's, it's, it dips some. So if, I, if I'm able to type his name and spell it right, um, yeah, let's see here. It dips... It's not atrocious, but his tackling grades a sixty three point five and a twelve point one percent missed tackle percentage, which is higher. Now Malik's coverage grades a little higher, but having watched him over the years, I never felt very good about him in coverage. He's a, he tested he tested really well. Um, obviously, both guys ran the, a really identical forty time at four six six, but the three cone Malik handled much better. He's a ninety fourth percentile three cone guy. Um, Phillips is a bit better as a jumper 39 to 36. Uh, I think you know Phillips really blew away the jumping stuff. But anyway, the point being here, the Browns, in my opinion, if I'm looking at these two guys, they want tackling issues fixed. And it's been on record as one of the uh, notorious stats over the past three or four years, how bad the Browns tackling has been. Some of the worst on data record stuff from Pro Football Focus about the missed tackles. So I don't know. I don't know. Only thing I can really look at here and and say with definitive feel for what the decision came down to between these guys is one guy's a much more secure tackler. Both good athletes. Both below average in coverage, but one tackles much better than the other. And I I did read. And I was telling John this off air. I did read that Malik Harrison a lot of his missed tackles came against better competition the Wisconsin's at the end of the year into the Clemson game and uh, Michigan obviously at the end of the year too so some of those missed tackling issues were thrust into bigger games where Phillips still although you know not dominating football games like his his teammate Patrick Queen was was able to at least um, be a secure tackler And, and that's important too so if we're looking at the rest of this linebacker group John like I'm nervous, man. I mean, mm-hmm. like Mac. Mac yeah. Wilson was not very. He's got some things. He's 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 got some mm-hmm. decent feel. But like, if you had to say today, and this is projection here, and I'm asking you on the spot, I didn't even really ask you this question ahead of time. Who's calling the defense? Who's the three down linebacker who's calling the defense for this team? <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: Who is it, man? I don't. I don't know. I mean. Is Mac Wilson gonna yep. move to Mike and play that position now? Or are they moving because I know they're wanting Sione to play some will and they're I've being... heard... go ahead. Yeah.
0: No, I've, I've heard that that yeah, Mike Wilson or Mac Wilson part me is going to um try to move him to Mike. And uh I guess he'd be your uh that's your three down guy right there, but whew.
1: I I don't know, I man. Don't... I, I'm just like I've we talk about I need to add like Jadevian Clowney. People have these ideas of these players that are still out there that like Everson Griffith. You need to find a linebacker, whether it's Mm bargain-bending from somebody who's overloaded at the position, maybe like the Colts or something. They have to go out, and if it's Nigel Bradham, whoever, they've got to bring in some more more competition at this linebacker. So it's not inconceivable for players to take leaps, but I don't feel good about any of these players taking a leap. Or, you know, if you go into the season with the current depth chart at linebacker, I'm not trying to really knock – football players and say they can't do things but the data doesn't help me argue for them so I don't know I ultimately don't know what they do with linebacker and I think you could safe to say that it is among the worst in the NFL in terms of proven commodities uh, at a position you're just projecting and it's even hard to project and say this group's going to be the even league average so we're they're really going to challenge the the status quo of um bargain binning the linebacker position, investing in secondary, investing in defensive line and, and bargain binning linebacker. I don't I don't know. I think Logan Wilson was there at seventy four. They might have taken mm-hmm. him John. Um, but he goes yeah. ten picks before and uh they, they decide to move back and and uh the rest is history. I don't know man. I I appreciate your Phillips insight. I, I this is tough. We're we're doing a ton of projecting about these guys and we need to get more quotes from these coaches about what they like about these players and who they believe in. And, and that's the challenge, right, is you have one staff that, that or one front office that brings in these two linebackers last year, invest heavily in linebacker when you think about it. Um, with the picks they, they put in Sione Takitaki and put in to Mac Wilson, they invest heavily at that position. But now we have a whole new staff, and we don't know how they feel about them. And it sucks, man. So um, mm. miss, it's a position of mystery. But th- thanks for joining me, John. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake.
1: I want to thank you guys for joining us again here for a busy week of content at the OBR Newswire podcast. Hopefully it's giving you all of the uh, different angles you need. You can always go back and check out the episodes that we have had different and various uh, OBR colleagues of mine on, film room analysts, and uh, draft analysts and a whole bunch of different things, including the beat writing and all of it. We've got all the angles covered. If you missed something, you can check back and find any of those conversations from earlier in the week. We want to thank you again for subscribing to the YouTube channel as that continues to grow, OBR Film Breakdown YouTube channel. The OBR Film Breakdown podcast will come out today with insight from – Uh, different voices from across the AFC North about their drafts and their uh, current uh, roster situations. We'll also touch on Nick Harrison there. There will be a Nick Harris film room up from myself on the OBR today. You can find that. We have a great deal going, 60% off. For those of you who are considering joining us at the OBR, listen, great content, great writers, great angles, all the Brown stuff you need with forums and much, much more to keep you entertained and give you all different angles on this franchise and this team and, and what's going on on the field and off the field so again thank you for subscribing to this podcast thank you for subscribing to the youtube channel and joining us at the obr Um, hopefully that is a part of your plans if you are not already doing so giving us a review on this podcast also greatly appreciated and a five-star review would be far too kind but we always take those types of great reviews thanks again guys have a great weekend enjoy your time with your families until next time go browns